Romans chapter 13, if you would turn with me. And I'm going to read an extended portion here, even though I'm still a little bit jet lagged and I don't have a lot of voice, but it doesn't make any difference. The Lord has given me a word for today in this particular weekend. And we've been from time zone to time zone. And I, I just don't like that. If 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 we could like have a microwave thing that would send you there, you'd get in then boom and you're there. I'd go. I'd go all over the world all the time. But this traveling by plane hours and days at a time, just, I'm not I'm just not meant for it. But uh, the preaching part is we love. Um, we're almost back to normal. We're almost adapted to Atlanta. But I'd like to read uh, the verses from verse 8. I'm going to read. I won't tell you how many because it scares some of you. Um, which the theme of these verses, if you've ever studied Romans, is to love one another. Now, that's not my message. I want to hold off for a moment before I tell you my title of my message. But verse 8 says, Owe no man anything. And I can hear some of you breathing hard when you hear that. Owe no man anything but to love one another. The one thing that we owe everyone is to love them. How many believe that? We have a responsibility to love people. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Can you say amen? Praise God. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. This is really what America needs to hear. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Everyone said amen. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, you're going to notice that the next verse seems out of place. That's why I'm reading the whole context. I rarely do this in this way. We teach Romans all the time. But to preach a sermon and read this many verses. Verse 11 is my text. And that knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer. Than when we believe. Can you say amen? It is high time. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Can you say light? Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus 
Christ. Could you lift your hands and let's ask the Lord to anoint his word right now. Father, we thank you because your word is true. Anoint this vessel, Lord, the power of the word of God to our hearts. Ever, Lord, lift us into the heights, Lord, of your spirit. And may your glorious coming be made alive in our hearts and minds. And bless the word we ask in Jesus' name. Clap your hands one more time unto the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. On this journey home, Sister French and I were excited to be able to stop long enough in our change of airplanes in uh, Honolulu to see Pearl Harbor. Now, 41 years ago, I was there because I preached a camp when I was 21 years old. Now, that was odd and rare, but I was with Brother Bob McCool, his assistant pastor. I got a call one Sunday night, and we were planning our wedding, which was going to be in August. And uh, this was about early June, about, about the first week of June. And almost exactly the time that I went to Hawaii this year. And they said, could you come and preach this camp? Because Brother Hugh Rose, who was the radio announcer for Harvest Time, had canceled. And I said, well, what, how did you get from Hugh Rose to Talmadge French, the nobody? And uh, anyway, that's a long story. And so I went out into the service, and without thinking, I said, I've just, uh, they came and got me out of the service. And, and I went and took the call. Of course, they're on a about six-hour delay from us. And they said, is it possible you could come in two weeks? And I thought it was a prank. And uh, the young man, I knew him in Hawaii. I said, uh, okay, I'm, I, why didn't you just call Brother Urshan? I was going on like that. And they said, no, no, really. No, they want you to come and preach the camp. And I said, well, and, and do you want me to bring popcorn? I mean, we were just carrying on like that. And he said, tell me, no, it's serious. They want you to come and preach this camp. And I said, you got to be kidding. 21 years old, what, what are you talking about? And I went out in the service, and I was so excited, and I got up, and, and uh, I announced, <laughs> I learned never to do that. Have I ever done that since? I'm going to China. No, I've never, uh, I've never done it again. And I announced that I was just been asked to go to Hawaii for two weeks. And, uh, and my fiancé was sitting there, and she learned it when everybody else learned it. I was just getting back to service. I was leading the service, and someone had to take over so I could go uh, get my invitation to Hawaii. So I, I told, uh, well, I was going to say Sister French, but I told Sister Smith, I said, I wanna, I'm making you a promise that I, if the Lord will allow, I will, I will take you back to Hawaii when the, when the time comes. Well, we've been working for the Lord all these years, and we never gave it any thought. We certainly, if we'd have gotten rich or something, we'd have just maybe done it, but we didn't get rich. So we just said, if the Lord ever opens a door, and uh, even after I was invited to Guam, I had no idea I would be landing in Hawaii. And so they called and said, well, you have to. I said, what, I, don't, I don't want to fly through Japan. I don't want to go. I, I want to go a little. What's the fast route? They said, you have to go right through Honolulu. And I thought, not again. I'm not going by myself. I did that the last time. And so Sister French was with me. And, 
I want to tell you, she sang like a house on fire. I mean, that place fell in love with her. They were, they were okay with me, but they were absolutely in love with Sister French, and she blessed that conference uh, like, like nobody's business. So when we headed back and we landed, the very first place Sister French wanted to see was Pearl Harbor. Now, Pearl Harbor is very, very interesting, especially at a week like Independence Week for the United States. It's, a, it's an amazing place. Uh, you know, of course, Hawaii is about 1,500 miles from one, the tip of one island to the tip of the other, the bottom island, 1,500 miles. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful place, but it has also become, uh, of course, it was not, didn't re- receive statehood until 1959, but it is, uh, it, it has a very special place in American history. It was President Roosevelt that called the events of Pearl Harbor a day that will live in infamy because of the events of the December 1941. And so we went through all the museums, went out and saw uh, the, the sunken vessels and so forth, and we spent an entire day out there and many uh, tears walking through museums and, and uh, seeing how other people gave their lives, young boys, young men and women gave their lives. And, and certainly at Pearl Harbor, of course, across uh, the world. But that day, December 7th, uh, the events associated with those who died to defend our freedoms from the intentions and destruction of the Nazis and the Axis powers of World War II many, many years ago. I was born in 55, so I saw as a young, of course, I don't even know anything about it, but I was alive when Hawaii came into the Union. President Roosevelt had moved, in case you're not aware of this, but this is important to uh, what I want to say today. He moved the entire American fleet It's war vessels. Every one of them sailed into Pearl Harbor. In fact, the in fact, in those days, the warship was war. You could fight from there. It wasn't until later that the aircraft carrier became well, because of Pearl Harbor, the aircraft carrier became uh, more or less the modern vessel for war. But many people have questioned the, uh, the military strategy that moved every single vessel into one harbor. And there was a reason for it. And this, of course, is going to be the center of my message for the next few moments. They thought that if they moved the American fleet of warships into the Pearl City's harbor there, it would be a show of strength to the Asian aggression that had come from the Pacific, had united with Hitler and was going uh, after the nations of the world. And and Roosevelt believed and his uh, military advisors believed that if they were there, nobody could touch them. They were indestructible, as it were, because there was no way, there had never been a bomb invented that could go into the waters as low as the water was in Pearl Harbor. No plane could have gotten in. 
uh, and, and done any damage. We were prepared. They were doing military exercises every single day. And there was no one in the American government that thought there was any reason for fear. Now, they did believe that they were going to be attacked, but not at Pearl Harbor. Not with every military ship there. And the ability to sail out of the harbor. And then they could have devoured any enemy that came in. But if they were caught in the harbor. That's why this book is called At Dawn We Slept. Now this fellow was uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur's historical uh, journalist that followed him. And this uh, is considered one of the great histories of. Pearl Harbor, and uh, it's a very interesting read. It's not just fluff. It's not just one man's story, but it's the story of the events of December 7th. But no one believed for one moment that an enemy was able to come into a place with the greatest fleet in the world waiting and sitting and planning that anyone would even think of slipping in, not for a single moment, that they would be attacked. Nobody could touch them. But history reminds us that enemy war planes launched a covert attack on the entire island of Oahu. Every corner of Oahu, North Shore, South Shore, East, West, they literally engulf that island. It is, in fact, woven into the mindset of Hawaiian culture that they stood for America when it was at its most vulnerable. And when the enemy had come in the most covert of operations, the morning of December 7th, 1941. Sister French and I took a, a Navy vessel, whatever they call it. You can tell I'm very Navy-minded. Uh, but whatever that was, we took it out because out in the harbor are the remains of some of the wreckage. Um, now, many, almost all of them have been pulled back up and, and, and fixed and so forth, but not all of them. And, of course, I'm not going to name them all. I'm going to only mention the Arizona. We did go out to see the wreckage, and you can no longer get on the, uh, on, on the little museum that's there. There's reasons for that. And so we, they took us out, and you could look down, and you could see what was at one time the greatest naval vessel in, in American history. It was sitting there that morning when suddenly the planes came in, and nobody, even when they heard the planes, thought for a moment that an enemy had gotten through. And was coming to attack Pearl Harbor. Not for one second. And so when. And, and there's a great deal that went on. But I'm only referring to the Arizona. When they finally came to the moment. That they were going to attack the Arizona. There were nearly 2,000 men on that ship. The Arizona is the ship. That now has the, uh, the, the record of the greatest number of men to give their life in the history of the American Navy because 1,177 young boys and, and men were on that ship when they began to bomb the Arizona and it literally sunk and went straight down into the harbor and 900 of those men are still in that ship. 
It is their tomb. So I, I just sat there openly and let the tears. I just said, thank God for someone that was willing to give their life so that I could have the freedoms that I have. That's why I proudly sing. Now, if I were in France, I would be singing the French national anthem. But I am in America, and I thank God for America. It may be stained with sin, but God has given us a nation of freedom. I'm holding a microphone today preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because someone gave their life on my behalf. Now all the ships were bombed. The entire fleet was destroyed or badly damaged as the surprise attack woke the island. At dawn, the first plane actually fired its first torpedo. The Japanese had invented a, uh, a bomb. No one knew it, of course, but they had invented a, a bomb that when the plane dropped it, it could travel in shallow waters, something no one was aware of. And so as they attacked the island, there was one lone radio operator Sister French, you, you knew I was going to do this, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I tell you what. There, was, uh, there were thousands of people killed. And the story didn't just happen on one day. I'm not trying to simplify it. I'm simply trying to get to this one radio operator. He was able to get to a radio, finally, something. And he was... He was he was pounding it out. And finally, the word went out from Hawaii, Oahu, and to the mainland. And it was simply this. Under attack. Under attack. This is not a drill. Americans were losing their lives and the word went out, this is not a drill. On this celebration of independence and freedom, I feel led of God today to remind myself and you today that we too are in the midst of attack from the forces of hell. This is a generation of darkness all around us. We see righteousness decaying and folks pushing back on the things of God. This church is no time to be off our guard. God has called us to recognize this is not a drill. Praise God. And I want hell to hear the clarion sound of the church. We have committed ourselves to the end time preaching of the gospel. I say to this church today that God has given us a power that is greater than any force in this world. God knows exactly what to do in the midst of his church. This is the day that Acts 2.38 and holiness needs to be preached like it has never been preached before. This isn't a game. I'm not on television. I'm not playing some sort of gimme, gimme game. This is not a drill. This is the real deal. The devil is alive, but our God is able and powerful. He is the God that is able to do what he said he would do.
Now the Holy Ghost has let me know that someone is sitting here right now today that you've wondered in your heart and your mind how you should respond to the gospel. Now I want to quote a familiar scripture in apostolic, because you know this is apostolic, that's on our sign out there, apostolic tabernacle. We are a Pentecostal church, but we are apostolic. Can you say amen? And Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Everybody say repent. One of the greatest needs of America today is to repent. If ever there was a time, the message of men like Dr. Martin Luther King and, and other great leaders that have said America's great sin can only be expunged if they will repent. Now, what we do is we say, I have nothing to repent of. But the Holy Ghost is telling us we need to repent we need to go back to where God wants us to go and where he wants us to live. But America is a nation in peril. And we are seeing the end time prophecies swirling all about us. But the good news is the power of God is as real today as it was on the day of Pentecost. It is still alive and well. Not everybody in the world is running after Hollywood. Not everybody's running after money. Not everybody's looking for some thrill because there is a church that is alive and well. Praise God. They said, oh, it'll blow over. Those Pentecostals, they'll blow over. Well, it blew over, all right. It blew all over the world. I'm, I'm telling you, every island of the Pacific, every nation, they're getting the Holy Ghost. Now, you say, well... I'm not interested. Well, the, 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 see, then I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to that heart that says, I've been intrigued by all of this. I want to know what it is that someone... Now, folks, I have a degree in ancient language. I went to a university. I teach Hebrew. I teach Latin. Well, I've never taught Latin, but I teach Greek. I, I studied Latin and some other languages, and nobody cares. But what I am telling you is, I know enough about language to know that monkeys don't do it and birds don't do it. But God gave man the power of speech. And then when he said, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I get calls all the time and I'm just an absolute, uh, you know, I'm tall and all that. But I get these calls all the time. And they're saying, well, tell me about this. How do you speak in these other tongues? Well, the, the Lord comes and, and they'll say, well, I, uh, uh, you know, I, if you could, what do I do? How do I receive the Holy Ghost? Well, you have to repent. You don't get the Holy Ghost and then just go live like a devil. Devils aren't speaking in tongues. You got to repent. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you want me to get off of that, but I'm not getting off of that. 
What you have to do is repent. You see, the fellow that doesn't want to repent, I'm not referring to you. You can let it go in one ear and out the other. There is someone sitting here right now that is wondering, how do I get to where I need to be so that God can do what I need him to do in my life? And I am telling you, all you got to do is repent. You repent of your sins. You tell God, I'm sorry for my sins. I accept the word of God. I accept the authority of God in my life. Oh, by the way, Sister French, did you see the, the, the what are they called? Guamanians. The Guamanians gave me an entire set of hankies. And it has my, my three initials. Now, not too long ago, somebody gave me a set and they tried to get Talmadge on there. Well, that's not easy. And it said, it had my name, Talmadge, was very lovely. But I was going to pull my hankies at the very first service, and, and it turned out Sister, uh, Elder Sister Dibble in Connecticut did that and sent it all the way to, to Guam. And so I saved one because I thought, I mean, I've, I've got them all, but, but I used them all. And, and they're not fit until we get them ready to go. <laughs> they're not fit. But I saved this one so that you could see that I preach the same in Guam as I preach right here. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Church, this is not a drill. This is not a game. We are not just uttering words. We are in a battle of life and death for the souls of individuals. Ikatayando lobo shataha. Ilamoku shataha. As I stand here in this sacred pulpit today, there is a revival that God intends for apostolic tabernacle to see that it has never seen before. God is getting ready to open the doors of this tabernacle to people that you have never seen before in your life. But God is going to draw them into the house of God. This is not a game. This is as real as the pew you're sitting on. God, God is getting ready to draw people to this church. You say, but it's summer. We got barbecue. Well, I hope we do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, that's one thing we don't preach against. Hallelujah. Barbecue is okay. I was preaching somewhere, and he said, you guys can't even chew gum. And I said, no, I, I chew gum. That's one thing I, I can do. But I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't sin and face a God and act like this, no problem. Murder and cheat and steal and kill babies before they're born. You think God's going to let us get away with that? No, sir. Sin has to be dealt with. God is drawing. There is a drawing spirit. I want you to, I, I'm not done. I'm almost done. I want you to pray with me right now. God is going to draw the hungry. Father, right now, I thank you. Come on, saints, pray with me for a moment here. Father, I pray for the drawing of the Holy Ghost. 
People that don't even know what's going on, but it's, that's what's happening. Their lives are being drawn into the church of the living God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I just have to forgive my lack of, of voice. So we too are in the midst of an attack from the forces of hell. Darkness is all around us. Here's what darkness does. It says, that's, that's okay. That's not darkness. That's what it does. In its evil, they say, that's not racism. But it's racism, pure and simple. They say, that's not immoral. But you say, well, the Bible says that's immoral. Well, the Bible can't tell us. That's what darkness does. It blinds people to the truth and makes them believe something else. But I have a feeling God is getting ready to open the eyes of the blind. He's getting ready to draw that heart to him. I want hell to hear the call of the church. I want hell to hear that ticking out of the message. I want hell to know that we're not ashamed. Someone said to me, I, I was working on a PhD They said uh, at a university, and they said, uh, well, I don't see why you have to be so emotional. I'm not going to say where everybody knows where I went to school. I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying to put off on them. I mean, it sounds like it, but by me not telling you where, does that help you not feel so bad? And they said, well, you know, you're always uh, so emotional. And you have to wipe your, your, your brow and you're, and you're jumping around. I didn't realize I jumped that much, but, and they were like, yeah, we came in, you, you were, you know, these, I said, uh, and this, this denomination, uh, if you raise your hand, they call 911. And I said, but why would you come to a Pentecostal church and want us to act like the first church of the refrigerator? I, if I come to your church, and hey, I've visited lots of churches. I, if I walk into a church... If I go to a Catholic church, I expect someone to be doing Catholic things. And I'm not going to go in there and say, oh, they've got all kinds of Catholic things in there. Well, hey, it's a Catholic church. What are you, what are you doing there? Man, do I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. God is going to draw people. In the midst of enemy fire. People that don't even know. They're sitting in bar rooms right now. They're, they're taking drugs. And, and they're cursing and lying. They have no idea. But I've got a message for the devil. This is not a drill. This is the real thing. God is going to break open hell's doors. And bring them into the house of God. Church, the future of our families, the future of righteousness and our hopes are at stake. Paul said in one translation very simply, and I'm going to read this translation. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. 
Romans 13, 11 from a simplified translation. Jesus himself spoke to our Pearl Harbor generation. I mean by that, I'm trying to be symbolic, but uh, in other words, America has had its Pearl Harbor. But we are in the midst of our own generation of attack. Even before Calvary, before a nail was driven through his hand, Jesus said this, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. The cross is the rallying cry of the redeemed. It's the taking up of the cross that is our own price for spiritual freedom. Do you want to know why the Holy Ghost is in this place? Because somebody's been taking their cross. Now, I, you can go to lots of places and they juke and they jive and they move and they, and they do whatever and in the music, you know, wah, 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 and all that. But I want to tell you something. There's more than just music in this place. There is a move of the Holy Ghost that is drawing people. I'm compelled to say to someone here right now, the Lord is coming. It won't be long. All signs point to the soon coming of Jesus. The spiritual and moral decay that we see all about us. The world stage, the politics. I mean, I never saw politics more indicative of the end of the world than we're seeing right now, certainly in America and the Western culture. We're seeing technology advances that open the door to the mark of the beast and all the rest that scripture says they're all clearly saying this is not a sham this is not a game it's crucial saints that we believe that we can defend our children from hell's onslaught we can stand for righteousness. This is a church of holiness and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a church that believes a life bound by drugs can be changed with one touch of the Holy Ghost. Our kids can be delivered. We refuse to say otherwise. God will draw them. There is power I want the musicians to come. I'm, I'm going to start drawing this too close. There's power in the name of Jesus. And there's power in the word of God. Does anybody believe there's power in the name of Jesus here? Could you just lift your hand? Come on over here. Somebody just say, I believe there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't think I'd tell this if I didn't know it to be absolutely true. Not because I experienced it. I'm too young. But because someone I love and know very well, they're now deceased, but they, are, they were as trustworthy as any human you ever knew. You just have to accept that from me. But I know them to be as trustworthy as any human ever was. 
In fact, they had an impact on my life that was uh, immeasurable. And uh, Sister Norris told us twice it, when I first got to Minneapolis, St. Paul, they were great preachers and marvelous people of God. She told of her own church and a little sister that received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues and was leaving. This was in a part of town that was pretty rough and she was elderly and so she was walking down the street from the little mission and when she got to the corner this man came and grabbed her took her purse and she turned and she said in Jesus name help me Lord and when she turned back around the man was laying on the ground and someone called for the police and they came and they said ma'am what did you do she said sir I, I didn't do anything he attacked me and he grabbed my purse and I just I just prayed and they said, well, ma'am, this man is dead. This man is dead. She said, well, all I know is that God protected me. I don't know what he was going to do. But with just one cry out to God, a little woman that had no defense. I don't know who the man was. I'm not his, I'm not his judge or his condemner. But I know one thing, there's power in the name of Jesus. Somebody needs to believe that here today. The Holy Ghost is alive and well. Devil, I've got news for you. You're defeated. The cross is victorious. It is our sign of victory. We have awakened, devil. We are seeing, oh God, that you are alive and well in our midst. We're getting ready to be raptured. Stand with me. We're getting ready to be raptured. The Lord is coming. Now, if you've never heard this, let me, um, let me calm down. The Lord is coming, just like he came many years ago. But this time, he's coming in the air. He's going to come like, <laughs> he's going to come back. And he's going to then, there's going to be a trumpet. And all the saints of God are just going to be just, I could say it a snap of a finger, but the, the Bible actually describes it as the twinkling of your eye or like a wink of an eye, just that fast, just like that. You're looking at them and then they're gone. The Lord's getting ready to come. And God is making a way for people who are hungry for the gospel to come to him. We're going to pack this church out. They're going to be up and down the house. I'm telling you, God is getting ready to do a mighty work in these last days. And this is your service. Now, this is a holiday week. So we don't have a night service. We normally have a night service. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to come to the very front. And I want you to come with us. And we're going to pray that God will meet every single need in this sanctuary. Could you just start stepping out? They're going to play. What is that song? Go ahead and sing it. And we'll, uh, we're going to come. I'm going to give you time. You, you, of course, you're not under any obligation. I just want you to come if you want to come. But this will be a great opportunity for you to call out to God. Saints, we need to call out to God. Father, right now, I pray the Spirit of the Lord will work in every life. 
Somebody's hungry. Somebody's reaching right now. Oh, oh, oh yes. Hallelujah. Oh, you're never going to get away from it because the Lord's never going to let you go. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're everything. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now, lift your hands toward heaven. That's it. Just lift your hands and let's pray together right now. Father, somebody, somebody's wondering, somebody's hoping, I pray for them right now. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Do it today. Lord, in the heart of each one. Oh, this is real. This is real. Oh, to the living King. Oh, you're everything. And I will adore you. Who was and is and is to come.